0: Greetings and namaste, and welcome to another episode of the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help you prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. I'm on my own journey to seven figures right now, sharing with you what is working from all these incredible guests that I'm interviewing on the show. And today's guest is Patty Lawrence. Patty is the president and founder of Turbo Execs, where she helps entrepreneurs who are struggling with chaos, such as out-of-control growth, sudden terrifying decline in revenue or profits or people problems that are having a negative impact on the business. As she mentions on the show, people have nicknamed her the money finder because of her incredible ability to find money that may be hiding in plain sight in your business. She and her team can take confusing business numbers and translate them into actionable, easily digestible reports for entrepreneurs like you and I, who would much rather be focusing on creating and marketing our awesome products rather than staring at spreadsheets and getting all frustrated and confused. Patty's financial tools and systems are known to quickly skyrocket productivity and and remove barriers to growth and profitability. And her clients typically increase their bottom line by at least 15% and feel in control of their finances and results. In this episode, I want you to look out for three specific things. One, the metrics that matter for your business. It's really important to understand if you're going to look at any numbers, what you should be paying attention to. Number two, ways that you can grow your business without adding more sales. This is a missing part of the conversation in many parts of entrepreneurship. So make sure you listen to that. Number three, how how you can see the story behind the numbers and grow your business without having to get bogged down by all the numbers and book keep, bookkeeping, <laughs> bookkeeping that scares entrepreneurs. Patty is not your standard boring numbers person. As you can tell, she has incredible energy and is extremely passionate about what she does. And before we dive in, I wanted to give a pre-show listener shout out to Julie Brum, who left a review saying, not just for millennials, a wonderfully inspiring and eye-opening podcast for all entrepreneurs, LOL. <laughs> Even a Gen Xer like me who finds personal growth to be the very best part of being an entrepreneur. This podcast is my new favorite. Thank you, Brandon. So thank you so much, Julie Brum, for leaving that review. And if you're listening to this and you haven't left a review, you and I need to have a talk (laughs) because I would really appreciate it. If you could leave a review, not only will I give you potentially give you a future shout out in an episode, but it helps other people to discover the show and it makes my day. So, uh, that's a way that you can send a digital hug to me in the mail is by leaving a review. So I would really appreciate that. But with all that said, please enjoy this conversation with my friend, Patty Lawrence. You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast. Patty, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Brandon.
0: Yes. I'm really looking forward to diving into all the incredible content that you have. And one of the things I thought would be interesting to start is in my homework, I saw that you actually grew up and your dad was an entrepreneur and he had a well-drilling business. And so I thought it'd be interesting to maybe talk about some of your early experiences of growing up and kind of seeing all the stuff that your dad was doing. And maybe if you played a role in that business and what you did there.
1: I'd love to think that I had a, a really big role in the business, but uh, <laughs> not so much. So yeah, I was um, I started out as Dad's helper. so it's water well drilling. so we're in the state of Indiana, not uh, not far outside Chicago. And so yeah, my dad, I spent uh, summers helping my dad out and what I would do when I wasn't in the office and he needed an extra set of hands out on the job, which, by the way, is in the micro dirty work category, Um, basically doing some shoveling of some sludge and things that come out when they pump it out of the hole that they're digging, obviously. And uh, you know, that's how that's some heavy lifting. And of course it's dirty work too. So, um, so yeah, I got a a good short sleeve, you know, the farmer's tan got, got that going in the summers and, um, and did my weightlifting, (laughs) did my upper body workouts for, uh, for a summer or two. And then yeah. when I wasn't working out there with him on the job, I was in the office um, setting things up, putting workflows and systems and follow up things in place. And because there was, kind of, you know, he was doing that in his spare time. And I'm like, Dad, you know, you haven't been paid for these invoices, what, are they paying you for these? So that was kind of my uh, foray into the entrepreneurial world with, you know, with my dad taking the lead and um, me playing a little bit of more of a supporting role in, in that regard.
0: What do you think made you like, I mean, you said naturally that one of the things you gravitated towards just in that sentence there was that you wanted to make things orderly and like develop systems. Is that, is that something you just always naturally did was create systems out of chaos?
1: (laughs) I did really, it's, it's like a problem solving background for me, you know, it's the need to solve a problem and I see a problem and I want to put a fix in place. So I really wanted to help him because he is focused on the business, like so many entrepreneurs are, right? That's that's your audience. We're we're focused on our business. We're focused on moving it forward. We're focused on what we do well, not yeah. the other stuff, right? The stuff, oh, bookkeeping. Oh, accounting. Oh, the office stuff. Oh, my gosh, answering phones. But th- that, th- that all, you, you need to have somebody doing that. You need to have mm-hmm. people that, that have the gifts that can help you. Take care of that so you can focus on the move forward, right? The path forward for your business.
0: So is that something that you, like, as a little kid, you always found yourself solving problems? Like, do you think that came, like, is that something your parents always encourage you to like be a problem solver or you just, you just kind of woke up one day and you're just like, I can't stand these problems. I'm going to come up with ways to solve it. (laughs)
1: Oh, I think, I think part of it is, uh, is your environment. So, you know, and, and part of it is what you like to do. So I was, I always liked math and science and those are always, those are problem solving areas. Mm -hmm. Um, I just gravitated more toward the math side of the math and science. Um, I didn't get too far into science into high school because I really wanted to focus on the math. And then there were some accounting courses that opened up and I was like, this is me. This is totally me. I love this. So, and then it it had the business, you know, tie into it. And all of a sudden i was hooked. so yeah. that that was the path that i took and um you know I, you know using those math and problem solving skills in business it, it's accounting it's yeah. totally accounting. so yeah that's where i ended up.
0: well it's funny i always like asking and diving into these questions about childhood and that kind of stuff because i think it's so interesting to find entrepreneurs that are working in businesses that are a direct manifestation of what who they always were, you know, as a kid, that's why I thought it was really cool coming across my research. And obviously we're going to dive into all the stuff that you do as a, as a fractional CFO. But, um, I just thought that was really cool that, you know, it was something that you just did naturally. And that when you see entrepreneurs that are in alignment with the things that they've always naturally done, I just think growing your business becomes so much easier because you're just is as my mentor, Jules and our mutual connection from, from tribe for leadership, he says alignment equals velocity. And I just think that's really, really accurate.
1: Absolutely. Cause there's no friction, right? Yeah. Who needs friction in their life? So when you, when you take the friction away that alignment and it, it just produces that velocity, right? It's just all there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So one other kind of background thing I wanna I wanna ask you, and then we can maybe go into some of the other stuff. But another thing that if, if you're listening to this right now, and you're like, man, this Patty person's pretty energetic. Like she's got some energy to her, and like she's a CFO. Like the like like energy and spunkiness and accountants usually don't belong in the same sentence. So I was just kind of curious to ask that component of it too. I mean, you you like I said, you live you're in a world where people are t- typically associated with being boring and that kind of stuff. But you know, you've been known to create. Video- Wearing hard hats and just kind of get things excited. So, do you think that that came from something too, or what do you attribute that that component of your personality to?
1: I love that. I I love that question. It's it's so fun. Um, I think it's just uh, part of my personality. It's my personality coming through and not really suppressing it. Um, I I just am that kind of person and I just happen to be in the accounting field. So the other thing is, um, coming through, I, my background is about 20 years in the corporate world. So, um, doing that and differentiating myself, um, myself, um, all along the way in my career has allowed me to really grow and prosper. And it's Mm. opened up a lot of opportunities for me along the way. So I was able to to uh, work with um, the work on the management team for a business, to run a business. So we had a cross-functional management team for the business. I was the financial representative. So we had, you know, a lot of different functional areas at the table. You have sales and marketing, you have engineering, you have production, you know, operations and marketing and sales and all of those types of people there. You have to know how to fit in with that. And it. Mm. It, it, there's some degree of obviously negotiation, there's there's the ability to communicate, there's the ability to, to push back sometimes and, and pull back sometimes, it's the give and go. Um, it, it takes a lot of different skills to be able to thrive in that kind of environment. And I just totally love do, doing that, helping people run their business. And what I do now is a direct outgrowth of that.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I just got off this call right before this and we were was well, somebody on the call was just talking about pattern interrupts and I think that's it's it's really interesting to think about as an entrepreneur. It's like how can you break the traditional understanding of what you're supposed to do, you know, like, you know, how can you be an accountant and have the incredible spunky personality of Patty or this guy I was on the call with, he talked to billionaires, but he like, he wears a, an uncle Sam hat and like these really goofy goggles. And like that, that was an, he attributes part of the reason why he's able to relate with billionaires is because billionaires are so used to people sucking up to them, trying to be all perfect, but like, they just want to talk to a real human. So I love that you identified that and like kind of went with it, that this was a core aspect of your personality and that you were just Going to show up the way you were supposed to, even though typically that's not the way a professional is supposed to behave in the or maybe you know, in the corporate setting, a, a finance person may not have the, the spunky characteristics that you have
1: <laughs> exactly. That's not something I want to do is put a mask on or crawl under a rock just because somebody expects me to show up that way. I show up as me and I'm hoping, you know, that people, you know, can connect with that. They can connect with the the, the real authentic Patty. And this is who I am. I have a personality. I'm able to connect with people, your listeners included, um, because I'm a real person. I'm a human being, just like, you know, everybody else is.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, people listening right now, they they heard your bio in the intro. They heard that you had this experience with this well drilling business. They know that you're, an, you're a you're spunky accountant, but I'm sure P- or, uh spunky finance professional. I don't want to say accountant. Sorry. Uh, but so they so they have some flavor of that. But uh, I I want to kind of paint the picture of and introduce what you do uh, via a story. And one of the things I came across on your site is one of the clients that you served. His name is Dean Stoltzfus, I think, uh, if I got that correctly. And reading his right. site, it was, it, it was one, of the, one of the clients that you helped. And I, I was hoping maybe if it's not Dean or if it's somebody else, if you can maybe tell a story of a client that you've helped, because I think that really will set the stage and paint a picture for people as to the kind of work that you do as a fractional CFO.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Dean was a, a, a client a while back uh, in in my career as as a. Fractional CFO that I was introduced to via Vistage Group, so not not too different from TFL. That uh, you know he was struggling with his numbers because uh, you know he they weren't timely. They he always questioned them. He wasn't sure what they really meant and uh, were they even worth the paper they were printed on. So (laughs) you know getting into the organization and kind of assessing the individual who was in the controller position. Assessing what that individual was doing, what they were, um, you know, putting out from an output standpoint in terms of reports, and you know, and the ability to answer questions, process those questions, really understand what Dean was asking him, um, and I think he really didn't understand the operation. That was problem number one. Don't understand the operation. The second thing, and 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 this individual in this position was pulled in. Um, as a recommendation from their external CPA firm, so that CPA firm kind of recommended this person, and he was a, a previous in a previous life. He was I should say previous life, but he was a tax preparer and CPA in a previous life. So this is this was you know where he landed, and um, it was painful for Dean to go through this every month, not knowing you know am I. Am I making money or am I losing money? And these big honking entries would come through without any explanation. Like, I need to adjust inventory. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You should have something. There should be a report that tells you exactly what your inventory levels are. And here's the adjustment that needs to be made. Mm -hmm. That was confusing him every month. And when he'd ask questions... This individual wouldn't have the answers to them, unfortunately, which means there's no visibility into the results every month of the business. So Dean would think it's going this way based on, you know, operations, we're making, we're selling, we're shipping, we're doing all of these things. But then when the numbers would come in at the end of the month, wasn't even close, wasn't Mm -hmm. even close. So what I did was I gave him feedback on this individual and the job they were or were not doing and the things that they could, uh, you know, like actions you could take right this instant to, you know, low-hanging fruit, check, 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 you know, three things you can do right away. And then there were things that were going to take a little bit more time and effort, you know, that rounded out the list. Well, came back, Dean said, this guy's out, Patty, you're in. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so all of a
1: sudden I had, I had whoop, I have a job. I went from kind of consultant to I'm, I'm an interim. Now that was back in the day when I did things on site and things like that. But we made you know, we ticked off those first three boxes and all of a sudden Dean was like, Whoa, Patty, this is awesome. Where did you, you know, I'm like, I know what you need, Dean, you need visibility so you can run the business. So you can make decisions that is moving the bit, you know, that move the business forward. And so let's let's look at the rest of this list and let's prioritize it and then let's get going. So that's what we continue to do. We continue to knock those things off. And I kind of worked myself out of a job because they really did need somebody in there on a full-time basis. So we hired somebody to backfill for me. We still keep in touch. I had lunch with them. I don't know, probably about a, a year ago, I would touch base with them because we probably worked together about six or seven years ago. And um, he's doing really well. And his business continues to hum in the accounting department and they are growing like gangbusters. So
0: yeah, to me,
1: that's that's a success story.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just kind of want to take this and package it in a way for seven figure millennials to to, to really think about, because I will just say um, when I was in college, I, accounting was not my strong suit. Numbers, I just I do not like accounting. And my uh, one of my best friends and I, Sam, he would do my accounting homework, and I would do his writing homework because it was kind of a, a classical. You know, I'm I'm a writer, copywriter, and uh, you know, kind of a creative guy, and he's the numbers guy. So we used to just trade, and it worked out perfectly. But the reason why I share that is because I think it's a really common theme for entrepreneurs that we love creating things, we love launching new products, we love focusing on the, like getting our ideas out into the world and then lots of the times you know in order to continue to grow at sustainable levels we have to understand what the what actually happened as a result of what we're doing and obviously there's the whole marketing component of it you need to understand your marketing numbers but the the, the finance numbers is also a huge component of it as well and that's why I wanted you to share Deans stories because I think that it is such a common theme for entrepreneurs to see a, a bunch of people in their organization or that are or professionals that are pointing figures and saying I just report the numbers. And then you get this scary spreadsheet and you have no idea what the hell you're supposed to do with it. And then like, and then, and then it's just like, I don't even know what this means. I just kind of give up. So like, that's why I kind of wanted you to highlight that because I love what you do is really making it so manageable for people to take an entrepreneur like me that doesn't like the numbers, but can digest it in a way that I'm like, okay, I know what this means now. So thanks for clarifying. So I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, so let's dive into some of the the stuff that you do. So let's just start from the the, the ground zero. So um, we've mentioned the term fractional CFO a few times. So can you maybe just explain what that means and kind of what a day-to-day is once you come into someone's business as a fractional CFO?
1: Sure. Fractional CFO is basically working with the owners, right? Owners, um, business owners and entrepreneurs to really understand what's going on in here, right? To me, th- this is your head. I'm pointing to your head for those. Just listening. <laughs> so, so what's going on in the owner's head and translating that into numbers? OK, so in your head, you have a plan of where you want to take your business. So let's extract that by asking a bunch of different questions and let's translate in- that into a financial plan. Okay, that's quantifying what your what your head says your plan wants to be in in a move forward type of scenario. And let's put that into numbers, because what happens is then we can look at your progress against that plan, which Mm -hmm. came from your head. That's where your dreams are. Right. And we're formulating what that plan needs to be to take you forward. And that is the plan from a financial standpoint. Now we do more than just that. We're looking at um, things that you can do better in your business. Where's low hanging fruit? Where and, and Jules calls me the money finder because we <laughs> can find money in your business. That's that's off in a corner and it's maybe unproductive. Maybe it's. It's not collected. Maybe it's maybe wasteful spending that's, you know, not, not adding to the bottom line in any sort of way. We're looking for returns on investment in your business. You talked about marketing spend. You know, is that really the highest and best use of that money? Right. Are we getting the true return for that money? So we're engineering some some things, some systems, some some workflows into your business that are going to help streamline, help take duplication. I call it touch it twice, the touch it twice syndrome. We want to touch it once, right? So we want to streamline those things. We are also looking for areas that you, you might be spending too much. So we look at your financial performance in a way that could shake some of that out, So we have some ways to torture those numbers to tell us the story behind your numbers and to tell us the story of what's going on month in, month out in your business.
0: Yeah. Well, it reminds me of, I had a guest on Josh Fonger and he has, he creates this, he has this system called work the system. And the, the visualization he gives the people is about designing your business from a outside and slightly elevated perspective. Because so many times as entrepreneurs, you're sitting within your business as this cog in the machine. And it's like really hard to see what the heck is going on on the opposite end of your business when you're stuck on the inside of it. But taking an outside and slightly elevated perspective allows you to look at it from a perspective like, okay, what needs to be twe- here? How can we look at this? And it sounds like, you know, that's part of what you do as well Is you take the picture of what's going on in an entrepreneur's mind or a business's mind. And you're like, okay, let's translate that into something that we can actually look at and like what it looks like when it's actually executed and that uh, we can digest it in a way that's understandable instead of it just being kind of this foo-foo concept that lives in our brains.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and the great, a great analogy for that is you, you really can't read the label from inside the bottle.
0: Love the that best love place that to read
1: the label is on the outside of the bottle. Mm-hmm. Similar, similar scenario to what you explained is you really need to be outside looking in, and to have that perspective is, is hard to do from the owner's standpoint, but to have that, you know, have somebody partnered in your business that, that can give you that advisory, you know, perform that advisory function and that role, fill that role is, you know, is a, a wonderful thing to have, especially if, if somebody's got a lot of business experience in a lot of different industries, a lot of that can be translated right back into your business. There are concepts that are, are universal. And some mm-hmm. concepts um, are maybe very industry specific, but they can they, they can be tweaked such that they're going to benefit you in the long run. So those mm-hmm. are the kind of things that we like to do. And of course, we, we work with many, many businesses. That's the fractional part of it. Um, and I have a team behind me. We Not here physically, but <laughs> uh, we have a team that um, performs all of these things from bookkeeping all the way through the CFO side. And every place in between. So we can plug into any organization pretty much anywhere um, to give them that kind of visibility into their numbers and make them, you know, kind of tweak it such that they get more, uh, more value out of it and more drops to their bottom line.
0: Yeah. I think it's another common, mis- I don't want to say mistake. Maybe it, I guess you could call it a mistake that many entrepreneurs think they think that in order to grow, all you need to do is add more sales, you know, uh-huh. spend money in marketing. But like, you know, as you identified before, there's so many ways to grow besides just piling on more sales and that kind of stuff. So what, I mean, maybe this is a question is what, what are some of the more uncommon ways that you can help people increase revenue without adding sales on top of it?
1: Absolutely. I love that. I love that question, because so many people just think, hey, get more sales, get more sales, and it'll fix everything. And, you know, volume is great. But, you know, if you throw more volume at bad margin, then that just gets you more bad margin. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, and bad margin is basically low or unprofitable lines of business. So it's either a product or a line of service that you might be offering that really doesn't return any profit to cover your overhead spending, right? So it, be it rent or salaries or infrastructure for your business. If you don't have your, your selling activity and what you're delivering from that selling activity, what you net from that selling activity, covering your overheads, that's going to be some negative cash flow. It's going to be some negative bottom line as well. So what we do with our with our clients is we start segmenting, right? We can look at customer profitability. If we're set up right now, it might take some setting up to, to be able to do this. Um, to ensure that we have the adequate amount of detail to to torture, <laughs> um, we'll we'll look at you know customer profitability because if you're pricing differently for different customers for essentially the same service, then you might run into issues. Say you have sure. nonprofit clients versus for profit clients, and you give the nonprofits a discount, um, you know that could be that could be mm, you know, hurting you. Um, the other thing that we look at is lines of business. So, say you have, you know, a couple different lines of business or a, couple of th- a few different products that you sell, we want to know what is the most profitable. And it may surprise you (laughs) because some some people think that "Hmm, it's the, you know, it's product or or service A, but in fact, it could be C because we're not looking at the complete picture when it comes to uh, assignment of costs to that revenue, that particular revenue stream. So we look at those things in in operations. And by the way, I didn't mention, we do not do tax. We do not do audit. Unlike a CPA firm, they, they do that compliance stuff. We do not. We are completely focused on internal financial management for companies.
0: Hmm. Okay. So, so a few things that I just want to highlight and spit back out to people. So you talked about identifying customer profitability. You talked about identifying lines of business. Are those like, are, are those the two main money finding. When you said before, I think you specifically said often in the corner, like the things that you wouldn't be paying attention to, the things that you could be running a business for years, trying to sell a product without even realizing that it wasn't the most profitable thing that you should have been doing. So are those the two main ones or is there anything else you'd add to that list?
1: The, those are two biggies, but there's also a couple that um, we'll call it reside on the balance sheet side of the the house. So when you look at your financial statements, whether that's out of QuickBooks or any other uh, zero or any other system, typically you get three different statements. You get a profit and loss statement, also called the income statement. You get a balance sheet, and you also get cash flow. So all three of those are used to uh, measure the performance of your business. So when we look at um the, the things that uh, describe to you customer and uh, say p- line of business or pro- uh, of a product profitability or service profitability, those generally are on the P l. So we're doing PL analysis there. Um, when we look at things like inventory, if you have inventory so if you have a product driven business you'll you'll have inventory and what we look at on inventory is mm, what's hiding over in the corner of your warehouse that's got dust all over it right mm. that's probably not sellable inventory and that is cash that's tied up that's not productive okay right. so yes. when we talk about money finder those are some of, that's a, that's a perfect example another example in that same area is if you hold accounts receivable. So if you extend credit to your customers or clients for whatever service or uh, goods and services that you're selling, and those kind of go past due, right? They get old and it's hard to collect or, you know, they go uncollectible, even worse. But some of those are, um, are areas that we have that we can find some money and bring it back in. Another area is in vendor management. So say we have suppliers and we're paying them you know, a, ahead of when their invoices are due, or we're not asking as we've scaled, we've grown and scaled over the years, we're still doing business with those folks and they're a prime supplier and we haven't asked them fa- maybe for a volume discount, right? So mm-hmm. as we we grow with them, you know, we, we, they're getting some economies of scale It's in their
0: best interest to to help you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And we want to continue to do business with them for, for a variety of reasons um, and relationship as well. So we, we want to kind of rein that in and, and make it work to our benefit. So we help people, we help our clients identify those types of opportunities as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd love this conversation because again, just going back to the initial question I asked, it's like thinking about the ways that you can grow your business without having to add more sales and marketing. And it's like, if you have a leaky bucket, pouring more water inside of the leaking bucket, is not going to do anything. So you have to go around and plug things. And there are lots of ways to creatively grow that I think aren't as publicized in the entrepreneurial world. Like one example, I was watching a presentation from Roland Frazier, I want to say. And one of the things that he talked about was like, Um, how can you take something that's one of your biggest costs in your business and actually turn it into a profit center? So like a a, a way that you could potentially do this, and I'm just spitting this out here, is like if I create a process in my company to, um, you know, and I'm paying someone to edit the videos and distribute them all over the place and turn them into blog posts and create a YouTube video, that could be a cost if I'm hiring somebody to do that. But if I built a system around that and it's really efficient, I could take that and I could actually sell that and turn that into a profit center where it's like, instead of me paying someone, someone pays me to help them do that. And so I think there are lots of ways that you know if you're somebody that has a, a cool brain like Patty that you just look at things differently that there are other ways to grow that don't require just more sales or more marketing if you look at things the right way.
1: Yes, that's an awesome example of flipping the script right yeah. where people just look at it as an expenditure as an expense of their business but if they if they do it right and they do it really really well to your point, they can flip that script and make it an income producing, asset, if you will, within their business.
0: Yeah, and vendor vendor management—that's kind of a a cool thing to zoom in on there too, because people don't think about that. Like, if you're an entrepreneur that is selling digital goods, you know, uh, maybe not be considered a vendor, but look at your uh, merchant account, your payment, your you know, there's there's you could negotiate fractions of a percentage on your merchant account and save a crap ton of money. Uh, So so like so (laughs) so there's lots of like you know it's a vendor if it's your merchant account whatever that is like who are you dealing with that when you win they win because like like we mentioned in in passing like if you could just have a conversation with them like hey you know let's let's you know break past this economy of scale or whatever and we can get a discount they it's actually in their best interest to help you and so thinking creatively about those options can mean a lot to your business
1: yeah and especially if you have a really good working relationship with them so yeah. let's say it's not like and i don't want to pick on any bank but chase or bank of america or any any of those big guys they could probably give a rip, unfortunately. But if you're talking with somebody you actually have a relationship with, maybe it's, um, you know, a credit union at the, you know, or a local bank, they're probably going to be way more willing to work with you than say those bigger banks and uh, bigger financial institutions.
0: Yeah. So another thing I wanted to ask that I thought would be a great conversation is like what are the main metrics that matter? So that we we so we've covered we've covered talking about looking at ways that we can grow our business without actually adding more sales and revenue but like as an entrepreneur when you're compiling these documents for them I get this thing what am I looking at and what do you think are the most important things that we should be paying attention to?
1: Yeah, I love that question. So first of all cash cuz cash is king or queen for me. <laughs> <laughs> So, so cash. So what, what do you, so what, how do we measure cash? Well, yeah, you can look at your bank account and see how big that is. Um, But cash, cash and profit are not the same thing. So when we look at cash, let's look at cash runway. So cash runway is basically looking at what your balance at any, your cash balance at any point in time, how, and, and expressing it as how many months Will it cover your overheads? So, how many months of expenses, months worth of expenses are expressed in your cash balance? So, mm. say 3.5 months. So, basically, if we do the calculation, 3.5 months means you have the cash equivalent of 3.3 and a half months worth of your overheads in your bank accounts. So that's that's one big metric to uh, look for with with your um, with anybody, right? Any yeah, and I'm, just gonna, I'm
0: just gonna pause you there for a second too because I think that's so cool. You look at something yes. that no, it's it's a number. Yeah, you can look at a bank account and what's in there, but it means so much more. Like that is such a more useful story that you can tell yourself instead of looking at a dollar amount inside of your bank account versus how much it actually means for your business. So I think that's part of, and we can dive more into that later about like what you're doing when you paint a picture with the numbers and paint a story with the numbers. It's so much like it means so much more when it's expressed that way than anything else. So just wanted to add that, but you can oh, go no. ahead.
1: And, and, and I'll <laughs> tag on to that. Just, just a little bit more to that. It, it became so, it, it became so acute right we became very acutely aware of this particular measure when covid hit
0: mm, boom yeah, of course
1: right oh my god oh my god what what are we going to do what are we going to do and 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 how long can we survive because we're shut down and and all of this kind of thing so you know that became very people became very very aware of that in in a in a situation of crisis right so i you know i used to i used to recommend like 3 months buffer right now it's it's a minimum of 6 for, okay just for moving people. forward I, in yes. general in case another so, covid hits yeah covid hits in it, it, you know it's once a, hopefully it's once in a lifetime thing for yeah, us right. to have to go through right but but i'm you know taking my 3 months and taking it up to 6 months and saying people should have a reserve of at least 6 months worth of their overheads in re, you know in reserve on in their in an account somewhere Right, yeah. not operating. They they just need to have that. So like that. that you know that's a, that's a good tip for your for all the listeners, <laughs> regardless of the size of your business. You know that that is something that you know, like I said, came to a head very very quickly. Um, yeah, back in March.
0: Yes. Yeah, so that's something somebody can take away right now is just thinking about what, what this cushion looks like for you and how to set yourself up for a case like this. And I know I know we were talking about metrics that matter, but this reminds me of something I saw in my research, something else you talked about. I think you did a video on, uh, you know, when COVID hit is uh, this, this number or I don't want to call it a number, but something called a BAM, <laughs> a bare yes, ass minimum. Yes. So, so, can yes. you maybe tell us tell us what a BAM is? And sure. I think it's kind of re- related to this this uh, buffer it, that we were just talking about. Absolutely.
1: So that that was uh, that was my COVID talk. So so that was early on in COVID when everybody was kind of trying to figure out what what exactly they were going to do, like well, <laughs> I'm shut down, or you know what what am I supposed to do? How do I react to this? And so yeah, I was talking about a BAM when BAM is um, just an acronym B A M for a bare ass minimum and uh the the bams for your business are what you have and what what kind of levers do you have in your business where you can throttle back your spending i don't want to call it a drop of a dime but pretty darn quickly okay right so you what and and, and establishing those bare minimums during covid okay we'll kind of rewind to to early covid times and and what could you basically put the stops on what could you put the brakes on from a spend standpoint to basically preserve as much cash as you could at that point in time so yeah we kind of flash back to early covid time you know the march april time frame and that was pr- pretty much preser- preservation time right yeah. so let's preserve preserve what we can and pull the pull the stops on, you know, where where can we where can we throttle back on spending? Where does it make sense to keep spending, right? Because those who maintained a a presence, right? In the marketing realm, right? They, they were the face of the business or whatever they were doing to, to stay in front of that secured business throughout COVID. So I want to say, you know, my observations in COVID, you either, you were at one of two areas of the spectrum. There was no real, what I call a messy middle. You either were kicking ass, okay? Or you got your ass kicked. Right, right. <laughs> there was not a whole lot of uh, of, of the middle. So what I, what I wanted to make sure is that that people were making the right decisions, the next best, the next right choice for your business to make sure that you were in a good spot. That when we came out of this, or as 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 things were opening up, let's say that you were able to be in a position to take advantage of everything that started opening up, right? And hmm. business business as it was starting to flow again.
0: Yeah, I think that's just really valuable because, you know, it'd be a tragedy for us to go through this covid situation and not learn from it and i think that you know those those two insights that you just shared right there is like understanding what your runway is and having a cash reserve of 6 months of expenses and covering your overhead and knowing what your bams are <laughs> you know it's just like those are those are things that if anything that that businesses have learned like those are two big lessons that everybody should understand and you know like Like, like we said, like, let's, let's hope that this was a once in a lifetime thing. We never have to deal with it again, but just like some things that we should always, whenever a crazy situation happens that we're actually moving forward from it. So any, any, any other huge metrics that we should be paying attention to that you think are really important?
1: So I think one way that, um. Owners should look at their uh, profit and loss statements, so their income statements. Is make sure that when you're looking at them, you look at something as a benchmark. Okay, so um, it, it makes it more digestible. It makes yeah. it. Uh, it it makes it, it it enables you to draw conclusions from it. Right? You want answers to your questions. You don't want to just look at raw numbers and go. I have no idea if this is good or bad, right? Is this a good number? Is it a bad number? Well, we need to we need to make it relative. So one way I recommend and I, I advocate this for all my clients and all your audience as well is when they look at their P and L. So off of QuickBooks, you can there's a little uh, way that you can look at it. Um, as a percent, you can check a box in there on the reporting, check a box and, and look at the numbers as a percent of your income.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. As a percent of an income. And so what that does is it, it, it makes it a common basis. Okay. Yeah. It's a common basis for measuring your PL over time. Okay, so you can see fluctuations. So you can see if, you know, as your sales number grows, do you know if advertising at 20, $20, $20,000 in one month's time is a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. (laughs) What do you what do you historically spend? And it's not it's not always the dollar amount that matters it's a percent of sales. So if hmm. if $20,000 say is 10% of your sales, is that a good number or a bad number? Well, historically if you've run 2% and you you ran 10%, that could be a problem.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> or, I just think it's
1: or it could be an investment. Yeah. Right? A planned investment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant too. Cause like I think about the concept of like diminishing marginal returns, you know. Cause if, if you're looking at like a spreadsheet that's just based on dollar signs and numbers and you're not looking at it as a percentage, like you might be able to look back and see this. Maybe the story that you see from the numbers is like when we were spending this amount on, on ad spend, it yielded this much. But once we crossed and we spent this much, we actually didn't get the percentage of sales back that we anticipated as a result of it. And like you wouldn't see that story if you hadn't looked at your PL with percentages instead of dollars.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And and honestly, you know, 10% might be okay if it's intentional. If there's an intention behind it and you've got you may say you're running a campaign, right? You're running a campaign because you're starting a new line of business. And that's an investment in getting that word out for that new line of business. Totally okay. And man, maybe that's in your budget. So if you look at that as a trend and it seems out of whack, you know, then you look at it as opposed to your budget, which is another benchmark you could be looking at, then it doesn't seem so out of focus, right? It doesn't mm. see it seem so out of whack. So it all depends on what your benchmark is and yep. what the important benchmark is, right? What's the relevant benchmark for you? So develop those over time and they will serve you well.
0: Yeah. Here time and time again it's not what you make it's what you keep <laughs> and lots lots of it is like understanding the numbers that actually paint that you know it's really and that's the that's the problem of like social media and stuff like that is like you have all these people that show their revenue numbers but it's like okay like what what like what what does that really mean <laughs> it probably doesn't mean he- what you think it means <laughs>
1: I see so many people bragging about, you know, eight figures, this business or seven figure this business. That's great to have that kind of, because that's describing the top line, right? Top line sales revenue. But it's all about, to your point, it's all about what you keep. What do you get to keep? Because what you get to keep fulfills not only your mission, but those around you, right? If you employ people, right? It, it helps to fulfill their mission, right? It helps It helps them. You're creating those ripples, those concentric ripples from you. So it, it, you're having an impact it, and your, your folks, your audience, they're about making an impact. So it's really achieving your dreams and your dreams can be, you know, creating a legacy. It could be employing you know under uh, uh you know serving underserved cl- a client base that's underserved it could be creating jobs for people who who have a need for jobs or rolling that out and making it you know more impactful even beyond you know even beyond your little circle so that level of bottom line allows you to make those impacts mm
0: yeah love that and so I, I'm trying to think from the perspective of somebody that's listening right now and also myself so I'm thinking about all this stuff I'm like okay it's awesome Patty can make magic happen she can find money inside of a business but I'm I'm somebody that is just one of these entrepreneurs that that is not good at the finances it makes a lot of sense I believe I should have this and you know uh, not not as, as much as we want to clone a million patties maybe that's not something that we can actually end up doing so I know one of the topics that you talk about is how to hire the right finance professionals um, so maybe Maybe for somebody that is looking at starting to implement this, and they see the the impact of being able to understand their numbers more and what they actually mean, and have someone like Patty actually trans Google translate them for the entrepreneur's brain. What are some of the things that we should be looking out for when building out a, a financial team for our businesses?
1: Sure. So typically, your first hire is a bookkeeper <laughs> because you know you're trying to run your business. Back to the beginning of our our talk today, um, you know we're trying to free you up. To to be your highest and best and your highest and best, you know, typically as an entrepreneur is not doing the accounting, not doing the bookkeeping, is not writing the checks. It's maybe signing the checks, but it's not doing all of that stuff. Right. So what we want to do is make sure that 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 is your that's kind of your first stop. Okay. Get a good bookkeeper. Now you can get a, you know, let's call a fractional one. You can, you can find them online, make sure they're good. Don't make sure they know accounting. Um, what are the
0: characteristics? What are the characteristics of a good bookkeeper? How can we sniff one out and know that they're good versus a bad one?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, it's not that they are just learning, you know, they learned, um, they learned bookkeeping through QuickBooks. <laughs> they, they probably have a, a, either some kind of a bookkeeping certification, not QuickBooks, um, or they have a, an associate's degree, something like that, where they've, they understand accounting um, because they're going to take you the, the furthest as you grow and scale your business. So that's going to be uh, an important hire. Um, and if you can't afford that kind of person right off the bat, like I said, there are fractional people out there that, that you can get, um, to come in and, and virtual as well, Yeah, where you, you know, everything can be done virtually. Uh, COVID had taught, has taught us pretty much everything can be virtual, right. right?
0: What are some red flags? Like, like, I think that's always a good question to ask is like, you know, sometimes you can look at what to look for, but like, what are the things that you you should be like, Oh, okay. I don't know if that's a good person I should hire.
1: Sure. That's that. And that's a great question. Cause not everybody thinks that way <laughs> until it's too late. Like, why didn't I see that? So, so first of all, um, you know, a CPA, is usually not the best person to be able to help you through this because they're compliance based. We talked a little bit about the tax and the audit that's their focus. They're really not focused on the operations of your business and, and what it's going to take, you know, they don't have that experience base. So that's kind of a red flag. The second red flag is if they don't, if they've only had a short history Uh, Of accounting, or maybe they do. They're jack of all trades. Let's let's call jack of all trades. Like um, I do social media marketing and QuickBooks (laughs) and uh, you you know you know what I mean.
0: Um, I'm a janitor.
1: That's probably that's probably a red flag too. Um, Like I said, look for somebody with you know with that you maybe associate's degree, something in accounting that gives them that good base to help you with. And of got course, it. there people are online all the time. You can find them on Upwork. You can find them on you know just about any of those um, freelancing type websites.
0: Got it. Okay, so a bookkeeper is the first hire. Who else are you looking for after that?
1: After that, so so you can c- you continue to grow and scale, and then you're like, wow, we're we're beyond you know it, it, we've we've got good bookkeeping, but I think we kind of need that next that next level. That next level is probably like we'll call it stat accounting manager maybe controller-ish type person where you know now you're, you know, maybe a couple million dollar business and you've got full-time bookkeeping but now you know you're you're starting to do strategy and trying to, you know, figure out oh my gosh, what's next and we've got this opportunity out there and maybe we've we can invest in something or a new line of business or something like that. You need somebody to kind of at that same level, kind of play at the what ifs, right. Mm -hmm. And look at not only making sure that everything's running on a day-to-day basis properly, but also, you know, what are we, what's the path forward? Right. What's what's that next level stuff that we should be looking at as you, you know, a line of credit. Do you have a line of credit? Right. Do you have a line of credit for the the fluctuations in your business so that, y- you know, you, you are protected? Right. Because we all know there are ups and downs in, <laughs> in business um, and we've lived through them the last oh, year or so. So we want to protect ourselves from that. And you know, how do we do that? Oh, and and then there's some insurance stuff that we need to be worried about. And we're hiring employees and onboarding and some HR, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So getting that next level professional in there is is, is wise to do as you you know cr- kind of cross into that one two million dollar uh, zone and, and and then get into the real crux of your business, right? which is you know you're leveraging now you've leveraged um, people, you've leveraged you're leveraging systems. and how do you maintain that profitability throughout? Right. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Right. And, and bookkeepers not going to be able to get you through that. But the what if analysis and the planning and the like, I call it the next level thinking is, is yeah. that next level.
0: Yeah, I think like a really simple way of saying that is like bookkeepers can only look at past decisions that have been made and like what the numbers are and report them. Whereas like the next step is like once you have somebody that can report the numbers, who's somebody that can digest the numbers and forecast what's happening moving forward. And I also want to make this really relevant to everyone uh, because it's just something I always try to do is that even if you're at the point where you're pre bookkeeper, or maybe you're at the point where you need a controller or even beyond that, I think it's always interesting to say, no matter where you are in your business to understand what the benchmarks are that you should be looking for. Cause they're like in, in many businesses you hear all the time, you know, there's, there's a, a different set of skills that you need to take to go from zero to a hundred thousand and a hundred to a million and 3 million to 10. Those are three, you have to be looking at completely different things. And so that's why I like to ask these kinds of questions to people like Patty, it's like, okay, what are the layers that you should be looking for? Because like with every new level you need new levers new levels of visibility new levels of clarity and those come in the in the terms of people and so whether or not it's relevant to you in your specific time of business right now it's it's always really good to understand these things cuz you can be more valuable when you help others and you should know what you need to be looking for moving forward so Awesome. Well, uh another uh, this is this could be a completely well, l- let me just ask any any anything else when it comes to is there anything else beyond the controller is there anything else you want to add to this conversation about hiring the right finance team?
1: Yeah, um again, CPAs not a great choice for your CFOs just because of the background experience. I think one other thing to look for is do they have does that Individual that you're thinking about bringing on board have some operations experience, meaning um, have they worked inside a business? Have they been a relied upon resource for the business owner, the entrepreneur? You know, have they been that trusted advisor before? Um, Because I think that's an incredibly uh, powerful role. At that next level. So I'm talking kind of controller level and up to make sure that they're giving you the sage advice um, to take into consideration as you're making those uh, decisions on how to move forward. Best path forward, best next best choice um, Mm. in your business.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, this, this might be a complete, uh, turn, but I did want to ask this because this is something I think I remember having our first initial conversation. I was like, I love the copy on your site. Like, like somebody knows what they're doing. Do you write your own copy or do you have somebody else do that?
1: Um, I think it's a combination. So, okay. and, and sometimes it gets tweaked. So, so we have, um, I, I, I have, uh, because I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses so I have actually outsourced my marketing, um, including my website. So they maintain my website, but they do awesome work. So um, yes, that is one of my weak areas. But they what they do is ask me to write up certain things, like, okay, Patty, well, here's what we're thinking about doing on your front page. Can you do something here? And I'm like, well, yeah, sure, I can do that. And then they, you know, they can kind of wordsmith it around. They get the gist of it, and then they. Um, you know, amp it up a little bit, so
0: yeah. Well, there's, <laughs> so there's just,
1: just so it looks really impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's two things I want to highlight here. One, what Patty just said, it was a perfect example of who, not how. She understands what her important things are that she needs to understand, and then she needs to partner with other people that are in their unique abilities. And so that that's fantastic. The other thing I want to say is, yeah, I, I would I would highly recommend checking out Patty's site TurboExecs.com. If it, if it isn't anything, just to like look at the copy on the site, this some is it's some damn good copy. Like, I mean, I, I'm a copywriter, and like there's this. Line I think I said it to, to, to Patty, like I, I pulled from the site, imagine having someone on your team who loves designing high functioning businesses, as much as you love creating and distributing your product. Like I I'm like a cop, a, a, like as you're a money finder, I'm like a word finder. And I love seeing like great articulations of like, man, I read that I was an entrepreneur. I was like, man, if I could find somebody that loves that as much as I love designing and creating cool stuff, that's awesome. So just wanted to, to give you a pat on the back for that. And if somebody uh, wants a good example for copy, go check it out. <laughs>
1: thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I will pass
0: that along. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So uh, I know where we've been going for a while here. So I have a few kind of shorter questions that I actually haven't experimented with in the past. And I borrowed some of these from, from my, my one of uh, my favorite podcasters, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> um, and I, I thought it'd be kind of fun to ask some of these. So um, do you, what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? It could be investment of time, money, energy. Like, is there something maybe in your business, your personal life that you just got a lot of return and value from whatever this investment was?
1: Yeah. Um, I love that question and, um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm sticking with my last answer, which was outsource marketing. <laughs>
0: outsource marketing. <laughs>
1: because cool. I'm, I'm, I'm totally serious. I mean, uh, when I first started out, I was, there was a lot of angst around that angst, meaning I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. And I will tell you, you know, that takes you, that throws you off your game, right? Mm-hmm. That makes you, your head is so clouded by, oh my gosh, I can't get this other thing done. I, you know, me personally, I, I can't devote the time to it, and I feel like crap. And you know, I'm not, I'm just not doing a good job of it. And I'm it just kind of is this big weight that just keeps getting heavier all the time, and it keeps you know, it, it I think it holds you back, right? Yeah. So the most freeing thing that I did was hire my outsourced marketing guru. So um and, and they are awesome and um yeah they've they've grown with me all along and I've learned so much from them and they've helped me to um become the you know the uh, even more outgoing <laughs> than I was before. So I got to thank them for that, you know, coming out of my shell and and really leaning in. Right. One thing that that, uh, I'll give you three things that that tie into that. Um, One is to trust the process. Okay, as far as marketing, as as is not your your big thing, Um, but trust the process. Right. If you have good people, trust their process. The second thing is lean into it. Lean into who you are. Um, Lean into all the good things that you have to give to people. And the third thing is be authentic. Right. That's what people want. They want you to show up as you. So those are the three things that I have gleaned from my marketing experience, my outsourced marketing experience over the, my you know, it's been seven years or so that, that I've been doing that. So I've been learning along the way. Um, and and that's been, you know, one big benefit for me. And I will tell you, it does take the weight off of you and it allows you to free up Brain capacity, right? Um, to do what you do best.
0: Thank you for showing that. That was an incredible answer. And, one of my favorite books is uh, Unique Ability 2.0. Not that many people know about it, but Unique Ability 2.0. It's written by a Strategic Coach. I don't know if Dan Sullivan wrote it, but this like this is one of my favorite topics of all time. is just the concept of unique ability. People, unique ability. People, other people call it your genius zone. Other people call it your superpower. Whatever that is, and this ties back to like the very first question that I asked Patty, and that's why I always like this asking this kind of stuff. Is like, are you operating within your unique ability? We talked about Patty seeing her dad grow her business from an early age and always liking the system and structure and that how she gained velocity in her business because she stuck in that zone. And what she did by hiring an outsourced marketing firm is she very clearly identified that in, in unique ability, they have four quadrants, unique ability activities, excellent activities, competent activities and incompetent activities I am my unique ability zone is doing these kinds of podcasts it's writing it's creating content it's d- designing business uh, systems for marketing and and structure for operations but my incompetent zone is exactly what what patty does <laughs> you know it's like that's what, it's, it's where it's like and so so she understood the, it's the exact opposite for her is the is that she's really good at the the numbers and stuff like that and so you can have a 1 plus one equals 11 once you understand that concept of what your unique ability is which ties back to, you know, what, who you have always been and leveraging that in your business. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, another quick uh, question that I wanted to ask, what are some of the biggest mistakes and myths that you see, uh, you know, entrepreneurs facing when it comes to, uh, finance and what are the biggest waste of time?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the things that, um, is uh, the myth out there is, um, the confusion of profit and cash. So there's a distinct difference between profit and cash. Cash is what is uh, on your in your bank account and profit is what's left after you are done paying the bills. Not always the same. Um, because you've got things that are, let's call it non-cash items in there. You've also got spending, let's call it investments in your business. So say if you have brick and mortar and you have to buy furniture, well, that's not showing up on your income statement in your in your uh, profit, but you have to maintain enough profit in your business to be able to generate that cash flow to cover those things, so mm-hmm. you know, cash and cash flow different than profit slash net income. Definitely a big one. And I'm sorry, your your second the second part of your
0: question. You know, what are the biggest waste of time? Like, do you see people spending like a oh, time obsessing around a number? It's like you shouldn't even be looking there. Like this is just stupid. Like <laughs> something along yeah. those lines.
1: Yeah, um, I I see people obsessing with their books, right? And 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 like hands on with their books. It's like why are you even spending time on that when you're ge- it's that genius zone again, you know, we're in the opposite quadrants. Well, you need to spend time focusing on your genius zone instead of focusing on things that are just sucking the energy right out of you. Mm-hmm. So, once you focus on that genius zone, uh, the rest is going to fall into place, right? I don't don't worry about you know that nano thing and you know that you spent fifteen dollars on last month. What you know, trying to rack your brain about what was that, and and racking the bookkeeper's brain about what was that because it doesn't make a hill of beans difference in what right. you, you made. Right, fifteen dollars is not is not your. Pr- if it is, we got to talk. But. <laughs> Hopefully it's, it's way more than that. And, and you just need to get, get beyond it, right? Don't sweat those details, just de- delegate them, right? Have somebody else look at that. Don't get stuck on it.
0: Yeah. Love that. Okay. Final, I guess a final few questions. The, the, the last thing I want to ask is, um, I mean, if you, if people were to kind of take away like one main thing from the episode you're like, I just want to make sure that they have this, like, please like forget everything else, but remember this one thing, what would you want that to be? Cash is
1: king and you need to focus on cash on your business. So really understand how much your how much the balance of your cash represents in terms of how long will you keep operating your business if everything else ceased. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said before, COVID really brought that all to a head. For all of us, um, it put it in the forefront. Whereas before, we were kind of fat, uh, call it the fat dumb and happy syndrome, right? We were like, right. ooh, we're just moseying along. And then once things shut down, then we're like, oh crap, now what? Right? So, so, focus on your cash, get yourself in a position to get, you know, six months of cash. And it's not as hard as you think it is. Honestly, think about setting aside $250 a week. Just set it aside. Right. Are you going to miss it? Probably not. Probably not. And it's low impact. It's low hanging fruit. You can do and you can do this. It doesn't take too much. Just just make it happen. Right. There are automatic tools. Your your bank, your online banking can even do it. Right. It's easy stuff.
0: Yeah. I just wanted to say too, like in the world of personal finance, like that's like a, a core tenant of personal finance, you know, we're talking about business stuff, but it's like, hey, you need a rainy day fund, you know, like one of my yeah. favorite books on personal finance is the book, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. I would recommend people to, to read that one, but he talks about the the concept of having a rainy day fund. You need that for your business. Like, why wouldn't you have that for your business? Like, it makes yeah. sense that if your car is going to poop out on you, <laughs> that you have some money in, in, in a savings account that's designed for, you know, car pooping out problems, you know, it's the same yes. thing for your business. You need, you need those things. So awesome. Exactly. Well, Pat, Patty, where can people find out more about the stuff that you got going on? And then I know you were very generous. You created something for our audience. So i would love for you to share uh, those two things.
1: Absolutely. So you can find out more about us at turboexecs.com. That's www.turboexecs.com, like turbocharged executives, turboexecs.com. And the freebie that I have for you is, is basically a salary tool. So for all of you that are paying yourselves in your business, which aren't we all, um, <laughs> what I do is uh, it, it's it's basically how to solve for the level of sales that you need, you will require for your dream salary. So not, the, not necessarily what you're paying yourself today but what you want to pay yourself in the future. What could that look like? And it's just a little salary tool that'll help you uh, uh, frame that up. And s- I call it solve for X.
0: Yeah, love that. And that's at turboexecs.com slash salary-tool. So that's turboexactscom slash salary-tool. And at the time of this recording, which we're recording this on February 18th, I don't know when this is gonna come out, probably a few months away, um, but I, I'm in the middle of building a site for Seven Figure Millennials. So hopefully when this episode comes out, you can go and check out the Seven Figure Millennial site and like just click the link there. But if not, turboexecs.com slash salary-tool. And I just wanted to say for everybody listening, if this is your first episode, just wanted to say welcome. I'm so grateful that you found the show and that we got to hang out with me and Patty today. I hope you become a regular listener and subscriber. And I bring on incredible people like Patty all the time. And as you can tell, I like to dive deep. I don't like ask surface level questions. I like to kind of uncover all that cool stuff. So, um, And if you're somebody that is a regular listener of the show, I just want to say thank you so much for your support. You're what makes this possible. Really, truly appreciate you and thank you. And so whether you're new or returning, I just wanted to say if you could go out and leave a review on the show, help share Patty's message. Uh, And you know, if you love this episode with Patty, just go ahead and, and share that with a friend that you might think is super valuable for the friend that's interested in numbers or maybe they're the entrepreneur that sucks at numbers and they need to hear what they need to be paying attention to. Just pick one friend that you think this would be really relevant with and just click that share button. We really appreciate that. So Patty, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast and I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I had a fabulous time. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now,